Welcome to Infralogic's Crossroads Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Vitelli. Thank you for tuning in today. Our guest on today's program is Corey Lewis, a managing director at Aon, a professional services firm that places tax insurance for participants in the renewable energy industry. Today, we're going to talk about the tax insurance industry and its role in the renewable energy sector. And then we're going to discuss how transferability or the ability for investors to transfer tax credits that was created by the Inflation Reduction Act is going to change the renewable sector and where tax insurance fits into the picture. Corey, thank you for joining the pod. Thanks, Andrew. It's great to be here. So now before we jump into these topics, I'm sure a lot of those listeners that are active in the renewable sector know all about Aon and the services it provides. But for the rest of our audience, can you give a brief explanation of Aon and what your firm does? Sure. Thanks, Andrew. So as mentioned, Aon is a global professional services firm. I work as part of the broader transaction solutions team. We place tax insurance, rep and warranty insurance, and litigation insurance on behalf of our clients, private equity firms, corporates, participants in the renewable energy industry. Myself, I've been with Aon for over eight years, former practicing tax attorney before Aon. I was at PwC in the international tax department, focusing mostly on outbound real estate investing. I'm the co-head of the North American tax insurance practice, and I really lead our tax credit insurance efforts. And how did you get into the tax insurance business? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Great question. So uh, I've always been looking for uh, the type of position where I could work in both a legal and sort of business position or background. Tax insurance has been a great fit where I get to structure insurance programs in terms of how the capacity comes into play to get the best possible terms, conditions, and pricing for our clients, as well as negotiate the policies themselves. So it's something that I kind of fell into but uh, since I joined back in June 2015. I haven't looked back. So I've had a great experience in the tax insurance space. Well, thank you for that, Corey. And again, so for those of our listeners who aren't as familiar, can you explain a little bit what the tax insurance industry does and what role it has in the historic U.S. renewable energy sector? Sure, definitely. Um, So some listeners may be more familiar with our sister product, Rep and Warranty Insurance. There we see Rep and Warranty Insurance being used in M&A transactions. And with Rep and Warranty Insurance, you're insuring unknown risks, that there was a breach of a rep at signing or at closing. With tax insurance, you're insuring known identifiable tax issues or tax risks. And we really see tax insurance used in three key areas. First, uh, in an M&A context, buyer and seller can't agree on whether there is a tax issue or they agree that there's a tax issue, but they can't agree on the amount. Rather than having to escrow, let's say, $100 million for seven years, you can instead obtain a $100 million tax insurance policy for, let's say, two and a half to three and a half cents on the dollar, allow for the transaction to go through, allow for a cleaner exit from the seller's perspective. The second area where we see tax insurance used, uh, corporate balance sheet risk mitigation. So tax positions taken on tax returns, no M&A activity, no transaction needed, um, clients and their advisors think that they are probably right. But if they're wrong, they could be wrong in a big way. So shifting that risk off their balance sheet into the tax insurance markets. Um, And just as a brief aside, we can insure under audit tax issues depending upon the facts and circumstances. And then the third and final area, the one most relevant to our conversation today is the tax credit space. Um, While that can and does include all different types of tax credits, whether we're talking about R&D credits or historic tax credits, the vast majority of my time and effort is spent in the renewable energy tax credit space. ITC's investment tax credits, PTC's production tax credits, solar, wind, standalone battery storage, dynamic glass, anaerobic digester, geothermal, all different types of technologies. 
we've seen tax insurance used in the renewable space uh, as long ago as the early 1990s, um, but it's really taken off probably around 2013, 2014. Um, we're being brought to the table by sponsors, developers, as well as tax equity investors, lenders, and now post-inflation reduction act. And I know we'll get into this in a little bit, tax credit sellers and tax credit buyers. Um, so different parties, part of the capital stack to a renewable energy financing transaction, bringing tax insurance to the table um, to provide a solution to help deals get done, to help provide certainty in areas where there is some uncertainty. So if I understand correctly, your role would be when there is some uncertainty when it comes to whatever tax credit, you would step in and provide insurance. I mean, can you give an example of of a role that you would play there? Yeah, sure. So the most common policy that we place ensures that the amount of the qualified basis or fair market value uh, of a project will be respected by the tax authority. So uh, as I'm sure you're aware, with the investment tax credit or ITC, uh, the amount of the tax credit is a percentage of the fair market value. That fair market value is typically determined by a third party appraiser. And within that fair market value, you have a combination of hard costs, the amount that you're actually paying for equipment from third parties and soft costs the developer profit, the developer margin. Going back to the Section 1603 cash grant days, there's been some uncertainty around what is an appropriate developer margin or uh, appropriate developer profit. So with that in mind, there are definitely entrants in the renewable energy space who are conservative and are unsure or uncertain around whether that developer margin or developer profit will be respected by the tax authority. So they may be hesitant about contributing capital to the project with that uncertainty in the transaction. With tax insurance, we can insure this particular risk and we could make the tax equity investor, the tax credit buyer whole for any losses of any taxes, potential interest, possible penalties, contest costs or legal fees, and to gross up. So if the insurance proceeds themselves are deemed to be uh, taxable, the insurance policy can pay any taxes on the proceeds themselves. In the event that the uh, tax authority successfully challenges what the fair market value is, honing in most likely on those soft costs that developer profit, developer margin. So that's where we see the certainty being provided from a tax insurance perspective. And it's really being used to either help deals get done or improve pricing in deals. A lot of different reasons for folks to look to tax insurance from a financing perspective. So tax insurance really does play a big role in the renewable energy industry. Now, It's been about a year, I guess a little bit more, since President Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act. And for across the renewable energy sector, that's been really a game changer. How has that affected what you do and the tax insurance market? At sort of a very high level, uh, it's increased the amount of tax credit insurance opportunities that we're seeing um, and the amount of limits that we're placing. Deals that had been previously agreed upon by the various parties are now coming back to the table, finding out that they're now qualifying for some of the ITC adders that I know we'll get to in in a bit. So seeing that the amount of credits that we're seeking to insure increasing and just the amount of deals, as well as some some new technologies and some new and novel structures that are being contemplated. So um, some increased complexity, um, but also definitely a lot of more of the same of the type of risk or risk that we've been insuring from even before the Inflation Reduction Act passing a year ago. One big change that the Inflation Reduction Act created was the creation of transferability or the ability of an investor to transfer tax credits rather than directly monetizing them. And that's that's been a focus of our coverage at Infralogic recently and also the our previous podcast, if you want to go back and listen to to my podcast from July. Now, there are a few reasons that that investors and sponsors have tended to prefer 
tax equity rather than the transferability of tax credits. Now, one of them is that with transferability, it is a little bit more difficult to monetize depreciation. And another is something you touched on before. It's more difficult to receive the fair market value of a project rather than simply the cost of constructing that project. And those are kind of two challenges in the transferability market, really becoming the preference or the default go-to in the renewable industry. Now, how does tax insurance fit into this? Are you on the ground in terms of creating some of the structures that might make transferability more usable and more commonplace? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. That's another great question. So we're not necessarily creating the structures, but we are reacting to the structures or brainstorming with our clients around potential structures and whether tax insurance will be able to be an appropriate fit to help provide certainty in those areas where there are some uncertainty. So in its simplest construct with transferability, a third-party seller, the sponsor developer of the project, could then sell the credits to a third-party buyer with a simple purchase and sale agreement. As you hinted at, some of the issues there become not being able to potentially monetize the depreciation. And then the question becomes whether you're able to take a step up so that you can take the credit off of the fair market value, not just necessarily the hard costs. What we are seeing are folks looking to actually form tax equity partnerships, either to monetize the depreciation and or to take advantage of the step up to get that fair market value. That includes not just the cost, but what you're typically used to seeing from a third-party appraiser. And then having that partnership sell all or a portion of the credits to a third-party transferee. So that's one of the creative ways that we're seeing the industry react to a transferability. Now, I know there was some thoughts by folks in the industry around with transferability, whether diligence would still need to be done in, in much the same way that we typically see it done from a tax equity investment perspective. The answer to that is yes, there definitely still needs to be diligence done around the risk or risks that we're asking the insurers to insure, as well as the risk or risks that the buyer of the credit is going to be looking to the sell of the credit to potentially provide an indemnity for. So with with these new structures, we're seeing the tax insurance market react very positively to them, providing terms and conditions as they have been previously, even before the Inflation Reduction Act, at kind of the best-in-class pricing that we're typically used to seeing. So with that said, we're having a good reaction from the tax insurance markets with some of the new things that we are seeing post-Inflation Reduction Act, post-transferability. We're seeing tax insurance used in kind of two key ways. One is what we call a double-trigger policy, and the other policy is what we call a single-trigger policy. With a double-trigger policy, the insurance basically needs to have two things need to happen before there's a payout. One, there needs to be a loss under the policy. Two, the seller of the credit needs to fail to live up to its indemnity or guarantee obligations to the buyer of the credit. Then the insurance policy pays out, but the insurer has the ability to subrogate against the seller of the credit. From the seller seller of the credit's perspective, the benefit to a double trigger policy is, but for the insurance, maybe the deal doesn't get done. The alternative is a single trigger policy. And with a single trigger policy, all that needs to happen is for there to be a loss under the policy. And then the insurer pays out. The idea there being that tax insurance in theory could be used in lieu of an indemnity or guarantee. Um, As I'm sure listeners of this podcast know, tax equity investors, tax credit buyers like to have their cake and eat it too. So I wouldn't be uh, surprised to see that there'll be uh, tax insurance in place alongside an indemnity or guarantee. Tax insurance could mitigate or push down the chance that the indemnity or guarantee gets called upon. So there's a benefit there from the sponsor, developer, or seller of the credit's perspective. The other alternative is that the buyer of the credit doesn't even necessarily need to know about the tax 
insurance, the seller of the credit could have the tax insurance in place behind the scenes, running back to back with any indemnity or guarantee that they're providing. With that, if their indemnity or guarantee gets called upon, they can look to the tax insurance policy to pay on their behalf. So is it too soon to say which structures, which uh, types of tax insurance are becoming the preference of the industry and these kinds of deals? I think it's a little too soon to tell. I think it's a little bit like the wild, wild west right now. I think uh, the industry itself is trying to figure out sort of what the norm is. We are definitely seeing an uptick in folks wanting to ensure the structural tax risks around these unique transfer structures where there is a tax equity partnership that then transfers the credit. The idea being that the structural tax risks are risks that cannot be covered by the typical tax indemnity or guarantee that the sponsor developer or seller of the credit is providing. Typically, we're seeing tax opinions obtained at a shoe level of comfort or strong but folks are still wanting that additional certainty um, where someone will make them whole in the event of a loss. And that's where tax insurance is going to play a a large role. So we're definitely seeing an uptick in that, but there are still a wide variety of requests or interests in terms of what type of risk or risks folks are looking to insure. And it really varies on a case-by-case or deal-by-deal basis, very much a, a risk appetite or risk profile perspective, as well as a commercial negotiation between the parties involved. So you mentioned earlier that historically, tax insurance has played a role in ensuring that the fair market value of a project and the tax credits that are received as a basis of that are what the parties in the, in the deal are expecting. Now, obviously, that's become even more complicated now with transferability. How has the role of tax insurance changed there in ensuring that the fair market value is received? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think we we have seen an uptick in uh, requests for ensuring that particular risk, and it's definitely been very clear in the discussions to date in the year since the IRA was passed that that risk is not going away from the top of mind of most participants in this marketplace. For policies that we have previously placed, we are seeing some audits in this space, so that is something that is out there. We are seeing the tax authority move quite slow, but we're seeing the tax insurance policy really react very positively from a claims perspective, where the insurer and the insured are really working together with the insurers being very deferential to our clients and our clients' advisors who they treat as the true experts uh, in this space. So continuing to see the appraisals uh, react to uh, court cases and other items and just the economy in general, but really seeing the tax insurance markets react very positively to industry changes as we speak and different structures that we see being contemplated uh, in real time. One of the questions that we've been exploring at InfraLogic and on this podcast is whether the tax transferability market is going to kind of emerge as the default for the industry or whether it's still going to be that that investors and sponsors that are able to get traditional tax equity are going to prefer to do that and transferability is really going to be a backup or going to be when there's not enough traditional tax equity that's kind of the been a debate within the industry. As somebody who's been involved and with your ear to the ground, what's your sense of how that's going to shake out? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's been very clear in these early days that tax equity investing is not going away. Um, if anything, I think with some of the structures we've discussed, the transferability provides uh, even sort of an, an additional option that makes economic sense where they can offload a, a portion or some of the credits that they would otherwise uh, take on their balance sheet. So it's been very clear that for a lot of the large tax equity investor participants in this marketplace, that they're going to continue to be providing uh, capital contributions in return for tax credits via the tax equity investment market. Um, now, with that said, I think we will continue to see a huge uh, growth in the transferability 
equity space for some of the smaller projects that maybe wouldn't economically pencil out from a tax equity investor uh, investment perspective. I think that you're going to see transferability um, really rule a day for a lot of those smaller type projects. Um, but I think if anything, transferability just provides additional flexibility. It provides additional options. So I think it's really going to be um, to the renewable energy industry's advantage um, that they're going to be able to take a number of different options or items into account when they're determining what makes the most economic sense from the developer's perspective. But I definitely do not think that the tax equity investors, as we know them pre-Inflation Reduction Act, are going anywhere. And I think that will still be a very strong and robust market. Well, thank you for that, Corey. And just a note to listeners, if you're interested in reading more on this topic and you're an Infralogic subscriber, me and my colleagues, Kyle Yonker and Chuck Stanley, did a two-piece series on transferability that you could find in our website under the analysis tab. And also, if you want to listen back to my last episode, I had Brian Alperin, a partner and managing director with Foss & Co. on to discuss a lot of these same themes. So if you... Uh, if after listening to this podcast, you're you're looking for more on the topic, I recommend you check out those two sources. Now, another question, Corey, when it comes to the Inflation Reduction Act, it created a lot of what would have been called adders, where you get a bonus on top of the ITC or PTC if you either build your projects in certain what are called energy communities or low-income communities, or if you use domestic content, especially when it comes to domestic content, there's a lot of questions about what's going to qualify and a lot of projects that are building based on ex the expectation that they're going to receive these adders. I'm guessing that creates a new type of risk if it doesn't come through for whatever reason. Is tax insurance playing a role there in terms of protecting investors when there's uncertainty in terms of the adders? Definitely. That's been a, a key topic of discussion with all um, participants in the renewable energy industry around whether tax insurance will be available for any or all of the adders. Um, you really hit the nail on the head in terms of the, the specific adders that we're seeing. Um, we have already insured the energy community adder. I mean, we even placed insurance on in that policy before guidance had come out. Very confident that we'll be able to insure all of the adders, whether it's energy community or domestic content or low income community, and even the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirement itself. You know, the key thing is going to be from the insurance perspective, looking at the due diligence or understanding um, how are the participants in the transaction getting comfortable that the project or projects are in fact qualifying for the adder. It's becoming common as well in certain instances where folks are very comfortable with all of the other tax risks, some of which we've already talked about today, but it's just the specific adder that they want to insure. And so we're able to customize tax insurance to insure just that very narrow risk, size the limit of liability to reflect the specific difference in credit that would be lost if the adder wasn't respected, and to insure that particular risk for a transaction, um, which can make a real economic difference in terms of what the capital contribution will be from a tax equity investing perspective, or what the price per credit will be when you're talking about how many credits are, is the buyer uh, going to actually purchase. So there's definitely been a, an increase in terms of calls recently, especially as guidance has come out for each and any of the adders. Um, but it is something where we've been very pleased to see the tax insurance market reacting positively. These are some of the new risks that the tax insurance markets are, are looking to insure, as opposed to a lot of the old risks, which we've been insuring even before the Inflation Reduction Act. And so far, the tax insurance market has been reacting extremely positively to these risks and been able to um, wrap these risks at very uh, attractive pricing. Well, thank you for that, Corey. And I'm afraid this is all the time we have today. Corey, this has been a really interesting look at the tax insurance market and the role that it plays across renewable energy. 
Finally, if people want to learn more about Aon, where can they find more information about you guys? Yeah, you can definitely just Google uh, Aon and find uh, things online about the Aon Transaction Services team or Aon Tax Insurance. Uh, I'm happy to uh, be reached at Corey.Lewis, C-O-R-E-Y dot L-E-W-I-S at Aon.com for any and all questions related to tax credit insurance. And Aon, that's spelled A-O-N. Correct. Thanks, Andrew. Corey, thanks again so much for coming on today. No problem, Andrew. Thanks for having me as a guest. Really enjoyed being here. And thank you for tuning into Crossroads. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player and please give us a five-star rating. That really helps others find the podcast. Until next time, this has been Crossroads. Crossroads.